And so I want to take just a few moments this morning, a a few moments of reflection. And And I want to ask you this question. What comes to mind when you think about Christmas? What comes to mind when you think about Christmas and Christmas's past? Take just a moment to kind of reflect on that this morning. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I think about Christmas's past, I think about loved ones. I think about family. I think about gatherings. I think about travel. I think about presents. I think about at my grandparents' house that we would always share the Christmas story. And one of the grandchildren would read from the Bible the Christmas story. But as I was pondering that this week, I began to think about Christmas at my nanny's in Conway in particular. And so in my moment of reflection, I began to think about the food. And there were tons of it. And, and I also thought, why is that the first thing that I always think of, right? But there's so much around meals, about, around breaking bread for one another. And I remember in my nanny's kitchen that there would be you know, things on the stove and things coming down the counter and things on this counter. There's just tons and tons of food. There was also family. Right, Everybody gathered around. Everybody squeezed into her house. Everybody squeezed into that room just all for a few moments. And then, of course, as a child, there was fun. There was presence and there was time of playing with my cousins. To digress really quickly, you know, that's one thing as a child, as you get older and you transition, you realize that the fun and the joy that Christmas had, the things that were going on behind the scenes. Amen? That, you know, Aunt Lucy and, you know, Uncle Tom, they didn't like each other. And so them being together in the same room was going to create drama. You weren't privy to that as a child. But so food, family, and fun. But as we think about Christmas's past, and as I think about that Christmas or uh, Christmases at my nanny's, there was anticipation, there was waiting, and there was preparation. And so this morning, I've come to kind of remind you of something that you you already know. Traditions may come and go, but the reason for the season does not. And so this month, we're studying Advent. We're studying Advent. And, And what does Advent mean? It is just the arrival, the appearing, the coming. And so Advent is anticipating the coming of Christ to Bethlehem stable, especially as we saw in that beautiful video this morning. And it also provides a time of spiritual preparation. And it provides a time of reflecting on the true, listen to this, the true joy, peace, hope, and love that the coming Christ child makes possible for each and every one of us. As we talked about last week, Christmas is a season of hope. And as we're going to discuss today, Christmas is a season of anticipation. We said that hope came down at Christmas and his name is Jesus. Amen. What a beautiful uh, reminder this Christmas that hope came down and that his name is Jesus. Hope has a name. 
and His name is Jesus. Also, as I reminded you last week, Jesus came down so that what? Hope may go out. Right? It's not all about just coming inside of these four walls and praise God for heat. Right? When Brother Jimmy got here, it was 51 degrees. I think it's hopefully around, it's in the 60s now, probably inching up as we shut the doors. But thank God for a warm place to fellowship, a warm place to gather and and to sing and, and to study His Word. But church is not the ultimate end. Right? It's for us to be encouraged. It's for us to get a glimpse of God's glory and then go out and share it. It's so the hope that you've been given may be given and extended to others. That you may point them to your Savior. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you and your family to use Advent, to use these next few days, to use these next few weeks as we ever so rapidly get closer and closer to another Christmas morning. And I want you to just use it as a simple time of heartfelt communication, both with God and with each other. Listen, the story of Advent doesn't change from year to year, but we do. Our circumstances, our challenges, and even our relationship with Christ can vary greatly based on what we're going through. So, that means that we must approach each Advent season with open eyes, an open mind, and an open heart. Right? You need to be praying for that. As you enter this season, if you haven't already, say, Lord, will you just give me an open heart, an open mind, to see you more clearly this season, to see the love that you sent me. The word, God's word says that He sets the lonely in families. Amen? He sets the lonely in families. And so this year, reach out to your neighbors, reach out to your friends that might not have family or, or other friends and invite them in. Right? Invite them in this Christmas season. But when we're asking the Lord for open eyes and open heart, open mind, ask Him to help us to relate His timeless Advent truths to our lives in a powerful way. That should be our prayer. Prayer is, some of you might get tired of hearing about prayer, right? I don't. I I should pray more. I should pray differently. I was challenged by a great friend... uh, a while back, and you know, one of the things I try to remember whenever you you sit down to eat a meal is how do you need God right now? You know, good God, good meat, let's eat. You know, that's not the, that's not the prayer that we should be praying. But how do we need God to show up in our lives, in our heart, in those around us? It, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be eloquent. But maybe there's a need that you heard of that morning, and as you sit down and just say, God, thank you for this food, and and just pray for this need that so and so has, right? Just take time to get into that frame. And so, as I was studying, I ran across some prayers from this article called Pray for Simplicity this Advent. And so here are some simple things to pray this Advent season. Listen to some things that we should be praying for. Pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to learn something new regularly. Pray for strong relationships with other people in the bond of loving community. Pray for peace in all situations, no matter the circumstances. Pray for joy and a sense of humor. Now, when I saw that prayer, I was like, really? I don't know that I've ever prayed and asked, the God, asked God for a sense of humor, but 
We're, there is to be laughter. There is to be joy in our lives. Have, have you ever prayed that? Pray for a clear mind and the ability to clearly communicate what you value to others. Pray for purity so that you can grow as a person and encounter God more fully. Pray for openness through the Holy Spirit's guidance. Wow, that, that's not just something we should pray at Christmas time. Amen. That's something we should be praying daily. Right? Pray for openness to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Pray for a genuine awareness of God's grace in your life and the humility to extend grace to others. Mm. Now listen to these last three. Pray for attentiveness to what truly matters without being distracted by trivial things. Pray for attentiveness to what truly matters without being distracted by trivial things. How often we're distracted by such trivial things. Things that don't have an eternal value. Pray for freedom from all that burdens you. Past mistakes, fears, destructive habits, hurts other people have inflicted. And then I wrote, fill in the blank. Freedom from the burdens, freedom from all that burdens you. For you that you might have identified with some of those past mistakes, fears, destructive habits, hurts that other people have inflicted you. Or there may be something else. Fill in the blank. Pray for that. Pray for freedom. Pray for growth. Pray that the Lord will help you understand why it is that you deal with those things that you struggle with. And then lastly, pray for grace to be able to rest, become aware of God's presence, and enjoy it. I want to invite you this morning to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Luke. This is in the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Turn over to Luke. We're going to be in chapter 1. And as we turn to chapter 1, we're going to, be in, we're going to start in verse 26. But as we turn to Luke, what do we know about Luke? Well, Luke was one of the disciples. Luke was a physician. Luke is, is very detailed in his writings, right? It's where we find the vast majority of the Christmas story in Luke's gospel. And Luke is a man, if I haven't already said, Luke is a man of details, right? He's a man of details. So as you read his word, begin to see those things as, as you see, as you read his writings. So let's read Luke Chapter 1, verse 26 and following. It falls under the heading of birth of Christ foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
and of His kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What a beautiful picture is, as we watch that video this morning, morning, and as we think about Mary and how Jesus came. This week as I was preparing as well, I picked up a small book that's beside my chair that's called God and the Small Stuff at Christmas. And I happened to thumb through the pages and I ran across this nugget of wisdom. It said this, The story of Mary suggests that God's favor may involve putting us through difficult circumstances in order to accomplish His plans. Wow. If I could, let's take just a quick moment and I want to make some just really quick observations from the text that we just read this morning. In verse 27, it says to a virgin. So we're told from scripture and it lines up with what was prophesied that she would be a virgin. But it says to a virgin betrothed. What does that mean? That means that she was engaged. That there was that legal commitment. To her and Joseph. Then we see also at the end of that verse that that he was of the house of David. You see, it's all lining up with how God said it would play out. That the Savior would come from the lineage of David. And Joseph was that. Now, I have to stop right there and just kind of pause. And as you read Scripture, you'll read Joseph's account of what happened and the angel appearing to him. This would have been a radical story in their day. Right? That an unwed woman was with child. And from Joseph's perspective, he just wanted to walk away. And that would have left her marred, scarred for life. Right? That she would have been marked for being pregnant out of wedlock. Then in verse 29 we see this word, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern you know, what is discernment, right? We, I pray for discernment. It's basically just understanding. Praying that whatever you're going through, whatever you're reading, whatever you're doing, Lord, give me discernment. Give me understanding. Help me to connect the dots. Help me to see this as you see it, right? Give me a greater understanding. Help me to see the bigger picture. And then in verse 30, it says, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Why is it every time in scripture that an angel appears that they're saying, do not be afraid? Do you think that that was, I mean, that would have caught you off guard, right? Would you have been afraid? 
I bet so. I bet so. So the angel was telling her, do not be afraid. Verse 31, you shall call his name Jesus. And I began to just circle that, right? I circled it several times as I was studying. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. As Matthew Henry points out, Jesus, the name that refreshes the fainting spirits of humbled sinners, sweet to speak and sweet to hear. The name of Jesus. And then as we go on, we see this powerful truth in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then in my notes, I wrote waiting. Right? Because we said that this Sunday that we're studying the Advent candle that we lit, the, the study that we're taking part in, that this is a season of anticipation. This is a season of preparation. If, if you found out that you were with child now, if you found out that you were pregnant, what would there be? There would be a time of preparation. Right? In today's society, you would go out and, and those close to you, we as a church would throw what? We would throw a baby shower and we would help them to prepare and to have the things that they need. And so as scripture, it doesn't always tell us everything but just imagine there was preparation there was anticipation she was here it is the angel comes and and says you know you're going to be with child she's like how is that going to be and she's like god's going to do it because there's nothing impossible with god do you think she was anxious do you think that she was anticipating that do you think maybe that she wanted that i don't know that she would birth the son of god But as we look at this particular verse, I began to just kind of compare it, right? For nothing will be impossible with God. The King James says, for God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The NIV, listen to what it says. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. So this is a word from God that the angel has delivered to Mary. The Amplified Version. For with God, nothing is or ever shall be impossible. So, this notion of with God, right? Because I wrote down, one of the study tools I use is like, what's the power in this text that we're studying this morning? What is the most powerful thing? What is the powerful truth? And I wrote down, nothing is impossible to God. And then as I went back and I read scripture, it's like, whoa, wait a second. That's true, but the scripture says, for nothing will be impossible with God. You see that? You see the difference? And so I began to look at what we know about the impossibility and what God says in Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. It says, ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Listen, nothing is too hard for you. That's what the word says, Jeremiah and Matthew. As Jesus is telling the story of the rich young ruler. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And then even later in Luke, in Luke's gospel, we find... 
Luke's account of the rich young ruler. And listen to what it says, verses 24 through 27. How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich, man, a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he, Jesus, said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Right? So how do you apply these truths to your life? Well, I've come to tell you this morning that you need to walk with God. And that you need to be preparing now. I can't articulate something that I've heard in the last week or so. But it talked about that. It talked about the storms of life. How better would it be to walk with God now and allow Him to prepare you along the way than for a storm to come and for you to be in the midst of it and then turn to Him. Amen? Because if you will walk with Him daily, if you will walk with Him, He will prepare you. So that when that storm comes, you'll be able to face it. Not in your own strength, but by leaning on Him. By leaning on Jesus. So walk with God and prepare now. And how do you do that? Friends, it's so simple. You receive the gift He sent for you. You received the gift He sent for you. He sent Jesus, His Son, so that you might be made whole, that you might be made righteous. That no more sacrifices would have to be made, that Jesus would be the final sacrifice. And can I tell you something really quick about God's gift? His gift is eternal. His gift is not too small. It's not too big. It doesn't need to be exchanged. It doesn't break and it doesn't need batteries. But you know what? The gift that God sent to you, His Son Jesus, like I mentioned, it's not too small. It's not too big. It doesn't require batteries. It doesn't break. And it doesn't need to be exchanged. But you do need to read the instruction manual. You do need to read God's Word. It is His love letter to you. It is a picture of who God is and what God does. What He is. And as we talked about recently, we talked about the promises of God. When you're down and out, look at what God promised. Right? Look at the promises of what He said that He was going to do. I can't remember that list. Go back and listen to the message. Shoot me an email. I'll send you that list. I have it. But just remember the promises of who he said that that he would be the comforter, that he would be the healer. So as we kind of close out our time together this morning of talking about a season of anticipation, right? It's a season of waiting. It's a season of preparation. It's a season of travel. I go back to Conway. It was Christmas 1989. And it snowed. It's very unusual for us to get snow around here. Y'all know that. At least of any significance. 
So Christmas 1989, it snows. But the Sunday before Christmas, we always went to my nanny's. And so that particular year, we had to take a different route. I think we had to go 95 and, and go some different way. We couldn't go 378. So we go to Christmas, we have Christmas. And one of the things I've come to tell you this morning is this Christmas, as you sit down at the table, as you gather in your living room, as you gather in your homes, cherish the time that you have with each other. Put aside your differences. Focus on Jesus. Find time, if you can, to read the Word of God, to read the Christmas story. Right? Find time to do that. Because here's why. In Christmas of 1989, we came together. There was food. There was family. There was fun. I got to see my cousin. But in February of that year, as y'all might remember a few months ago, I shared, Jennifer was killed in a hit-and-run accident. Right? So as we prepared for that Christmas, who would have known that that would have been her last Christmas? Right? But as we went, we didn't just go easily, but we had to go with a struggle. Right? We had to go different route. And, and even now, it's... It, that's a tragedy that came later, but there are great memories that came out of that because there's this joke in my family about, well, you might get stranded. You better have a flashlight. You know, you might get stranded. And so as my sister and I were talking about this, it was cool because it was like, wow, that, that, that all came out. That joke came out in our family that Christmas. But we didn't know what was going to happen. And so I, I just, I tell you this morning, I want, I want you to, I want to tell you this, that anticipation as we prepare for this Christmas, anticipation leads to preparation. Amen? You think about my grandmother, you think about us as a family as we travel. When you know there's... Cindy, I look at you, and I remember recently your family came in during the summertime, right? And so you anticipated them, you were looking forward to them, but what? There was preparation that took part. And so not only is there preparation, but y'all, there's participation. And so this Christmas, as you anticipate Jesus' birth, as you anticipate celebrating God willing another Christmas day, well, you, I know you're anticipating it because you're going to see family, you're going to see friends, but focus for a few minutes on Jesus, right? And prepare this season. I'm thankful as I was talking with some of you this morning, I've heard comments from two or three of you about a little Advent devotional that I found that we bought and we gave away. And two or three of you said, wow, thank you for, thank you for um, buying that. I've enjoyed reading that. Um, Dwight was telling me this morning that he was watching TV and he, he saw the guy who wrote the book on TV and he connected with him. Well, praise God. I didn't know he was going to be on that TV channel he was watching. And he said he was a sharp guy. He is a sharp guy. But praise God, as we're preparing for this Christmas, we're anticipating the coming of Jesus, but we're allowing him to prepare our hearts. But here's the thing, as he prepares our hearts, we've got to participate, right? We've got to participate in sharing the gospel. So as you saw from the video that we shared this morning, yes, it is about Christ, the child, the babe, who came as a lowly babe in, in a trough, 
where animals had fed hours earlier or had a drink of water. That's how Christ came in a, in a cave, right? In, in a dirty environment. He didn't come with pomp and circumstance, but he came as a lowly babe. But he didn't just come to be worshipped as a babe. He came to be the Savior and to be the God-man who walked amongst us and who taught us how we should live, how we should love God and to love others. And isn't it amazing, y'all, that some 2,000 years later, what Jesus was instilling into the disciples is still going strong, right? It's still being shared that we're to seek him and that we're to make him known and that we're to allow him to work in our lives. But we're to be about being a disciple, being a student, But heaven forbid we miss what Jesus has called us to do. He has called us not only to be a student, but to make students. To walk alongside of those that he places in our path, to point them to Christ, to pray with them, to love them, to encourage them, to put an arm around them, not to always give them the best advice, but to walk with them through the valleys that they'll go through. And they will probably most likely walk through valleys with you. Aren't you thankful this morning for the the ones that the Lord has sent into your life to walk with you through the valleys that you've been through. Amen? It's not by accident. It is not by accident. Last week we shared a prayer as we wrapped up. And I'd like to share one again this week as well. As I was reading and studying, I ran across this. I want to share this information It was really kind of part of the prayer, but to me, this is not the prayer. This is setting the scene for the prayer, if that makes sense. So listen, the story of the virgin birth has become so familiar that it's easy for us to lose sight how utterly spectacular and astonishing this event was. After years of waiting, the promised Messiah was to be born in the most unlikely of places to the most unlikely of people in the most unlikely of ways. Only God can plan such awe-inspiring works. Amen? Now listen to the prayer. So that was really part of their prayer, but I'm like, no, that's not a prayer. That's setting a scene, and that's a great reminder. But here's what I plucked out as the prayer. Lord, you are perfect in all your ways, and your plans are magnificent. May we trust you with every aspect of our lives, remembering that Mary's story assures us that you're able to show up and to do the miraculous. Nothing, nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Mary. Thank you that she took on an assignment that she didn't ask for. But it was your will, and she followed it through. Father, thank you. As we've discussed this morning, that you showed up in the most unlikely of places with the most unlikely of people to do the most unlikely of things. And so, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for these last two beautiful weeks of worship that we have enjoyed here at Bible Fellowship. God, thank you for the readings, for the lighting of the Advent candles, for the songs that we have sung, the songs that we have listened to, the scripture and the truths that we have enjoyed. 
Father, help us now as we anticipate this Christmas season to use it as a time to be with you and to be with those that you've placed in our life. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus so that we may have eternal life and that we may be able to come boldly before you asking for your help and your strength for discernment, for wisdom, for truth, for strength to carry on. Father, use us as vessels of light and encouragement this Christmas season. May we point others to Jesus and remind them that they will never find true joy, true peace, or true hope beneath a tree. But God, it is on an old tree that all of those things truly come. And that's through the cross of Christ. So Father, we thank you. We praise you. And allow us just to sit here in a moment of silence and to adore you.